very weird in Germany because there are whole news channels which bombard you with uh, documentaries about uh, Hitler's super weapons and Speer and the whole history. Uh, and it's it's a big topic in Germany. But when you interest yourself in in the military aspect, you get pushed into very weird corners. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here once again, excited to talk today with our special guest, Adam. Thanks for coming on the program. Hello. Thanks for having me. So to start off, why don't you tell our audience um, what World War II related projects you've been a part of? I'm sure many of our listeners will be familiar with some of these. Yeah, I was uh, responsible, I'd say, for... Um, the Perlite Works History YouTube channel with uh, the rest of the team, and we are also doing the Perlite Works short movies, which you can find on YouTube. Maybe the most famous uh, series we did was uh, Dusty Faces or Verstopfte Gesichter in German, and yeah, I, I did that and uh, am into the history scene for a long time. Cool. What are you working on now? You're still doing YouTube stuff. Uh, yes, I'm doing YouTube stuff still. Um, I left Parlet Works, or we 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 parted ways after uh, years of working together, and now I am uh, on the on the way of creating my own YouTube channel, or have a few videos there where I talk mainly in German about um, history, about the gear, about uh, equipment and stuff, and it's called Militainment, military and entertainment, because we still uh, gotta bring some fun into the whole topic. Sure. The Para Lightworks uh, videos, for people who might not be familiar with the channel, were, I think, sort of an interesting and kind of a different approach that sort of uh, bridged a gap between reenactment and filmmaking. Can you tell us sort of a little bit about the idea behind that? Yeah, it all started uh, with us in Germany consuming, obviously, um, movies about the Second World War. And uh, that is the thing that comes with uh, being the bad guys of history, that you or your um, history is always portrayed by spectators or you are the blurry mess on the on the opposite side of the heroes. Of course, history-wise, that's correct. And uh, we try to do um, a story that tells the whole um, Second World War thing from a German perspective and focus on... Um, real stories which we put into short movies and um, try to be as faithful to the original stories as possible. So, of course, it's not a biopic or something, but we take different stories of different people and put them into short movies which uh, portray the whole World War II or even World War I from a German perspective without glorification and without demonization. Sure. I think that's interesting. What about your personal background? How did you get interested in World War II and uh, World War II reenacting and making history content for YouTube? Uh, yeah, uh, I I think it all started when I was 
small kid. I grew up uh, in a family that was half Polish and half German. Um, I grew up in Berlin, so the history was all around me. And uh, I think the first contact I had with World War II was a children's comic where there were there was a caricature of of Hitler, and I didn't even know who he was, but he was everywhere. And then um, you get confronted by it daily once you once you leave the house in Berlin. You see, even see the bullet holes in the walls, and you ask yourself, "Oh, how how did that happen?" And I think that's in a unique thing for Germans that you um, basically live in a very different society than that was back then, but you still have uh, points of connection. I mean, you look at maps and it, it's in your hometown that took place or you have neighbors who fought there and stuff. And uh, yeah, in, in school it's a big topic. So I started getting interested in history in general too, or in general already there. And uh, yeah, it, it shifted from this uh, whole general history feeling into Second World War because Obviously, it's the biggest conflict in human history, and it's the most recent one, I'd say, for, for us Germans, um, not counting the whole East-West dividing stuff. And I got especially interested in German uh, World War II stuff because uh, there wasn't much information on it, and I, all, I grew up with watching A Band of Brothers, The Pacific, uh, Saving Private Ryan, of course Schindler's List and stuff like that, where, as I said, you, you don't really see the Germans as, as they are, and it's, it's like a, a mystery, and because it's so mysterious, you start to get interested in it, and then I think video games and stuff did their part, and uh, so I started reenacting, I'd say, <laughs> that's a... That's, uh, stretch of a word when I was 14 and uh, do it I'm doing it for 15 years now and uh, got to movies and uh, got to live out my hobby there that's really cool is there like a social stigma or a pressure in Germany against hobbies that are related to the German military in the second world war oh yes there is there is a big stigma um, we also uh, face that when we did movies and uh, we always say as long as you get backlash from both sides uh, if the one says okay it's it's uh, too per, uh, too positive and the other side says it's too negative you do it right um, but it's very weird in Germany because there are whole news channels which bombard you with uh, documentaries about uh, Hitler's super weapons and Speer and uh, the whole history uh, and it's it's a big topic in Germany um, and on every on every in every city there is a monument or something for the victims of the Second World War but when you interest yourself in in the military aspect you get pushed into very weird corners um, society wise and uh, maybe because the, there, there is still a connection from the, from the people living today. They all have a family history connecting to it. It's a very, very spiced up topic. And of course, there's the other aspect, which is the law in Germany, which is maybe we can do a short uh, <laughs> discourse to that. Um, in Germany, it is, first of all, totally forbidden to display uh, or to reenact the Waffen-SS because the whole organization is forbidden. You are not even allowed to, um, if you if you really live by the law, you aren't even allowed to um, own gear of it, 
like military equipment, which is you can't tell it apart from Wehrmacht ones, of course. And uh, the whole swastika is of course uh, forbidden. You are not allowed to show it in public. You are only allowed to um, to show it in a historical setting where reenactment is not covered. It's it would be for museums or or movies. That's movies and art. So that's an exemption too. And um, yeah, there is a big uh, community of reenactment in Germany, but it's mostly, I'd say, closed or undercover. It's not there is there are no public World War Two displays in Germany. I've never seen it. Well, what what are the options for somebody in Germany who wants to do World War Two reenacting? Are there reenactment groups that maybe do events in other countries, or are there private events to do? Yes, uh, the most most frequent thing for um, I'd say the the more serious reenactors would be finding a group that um, visits event outside of Germany, for example, France, uh, Belgium, Poland, and those are all countries that um, are around Germany, Holland, uh, the Netherlands, Denmark, and uh, so you drive for three hours and then you are in a different country with different laws and different uh, different weapons regulations. That's that's a big thing too in Germany. With the, you, you can't own blank firing real weapons when you are not a hunter or something like that. And uh, so the the bigger or more more international groups always visit um, events outside of Germany, but they are there are reenactment groups which also um, do reenactment events in Germany. Then there's a they are never public. They're never with spectators or something. Maybe there's a museum event where they maybe have a, a public public day or something when they invite two, three reenactors, but they won't reenact. They would just show their gear or take pictures with the tanks or something. And um, yeah, you can find them on social media where, where most things take place. And um, if you want, you can always find something. And as always in reenacting, once you find a group, um, that should be the first step. You can start reenacting. Of course, it's mostly outside of Germany, yeah. When you got started um, sort of making making the movies and stuff, was that sort of in addition to reenacting or kind of uh, instead of it? Or what was sort of your perception with um, sort of the connection between making movies and, and reenacting? Um, yeah, we come from different backgrounds in the team. Um, for example, uh, Ludwig, who does the camera or, or did the camera, um, doesn't have any any connection to reenactment. Uh, he's just doing the camera stuff for for movie sakes and also studied uh, in the in the university. And um, I did the reenactment stuff before coming to uh, the team of Parlight Works, and then was responsible for it. So I took it into my own hands to uh, take care of the gear. Um, take care of the actors or movie extras how they how they act and to avoid these movie um, movie mistakes when they carry the gun wrong and they use the wrong words and they use the wrong gear and stuff so um, it it comes together once 
we shoot a film because then we invite reenactors from all over Germany to come and participate uh, in the movie with us, sometimes as extras, sometimes even as lead roles. And we also um, found actors, like real regular actors, which um, then were fitted with costumes, which we had in our stock and which I took upon to train them. Okay, basic training, this is how you hold a gun because most Germans have never held a gun in their life. So this would be carrying a K98. This is how you would reload. This is how you would go to the prone position. This is how you run with the K98 and stuff like that. And then they get a small drill and then you start working uh, on the movie set and everyone gives their best because as we were a small team and uh, we only have a limited amount of time, it's not comparable to real movie sets, as, as you would say, where I also took part in, um, where there's a team of 300 people and then there's 200 extras and there's a mostly endless budget. So this is where the reenactment uh, meets the movie world. And on the second channel, Parlightworks History, which, which I did most of the videos and research and stuff, because this was my, I'd say, <laughs> uh, passion. Um, we also have a big viewership of reenactors who get their basic tips there. For example, we did videos how to spot an authentic bread bag or how to spot um, an authentic gas mask canister, how to set them apart, how to find a mess tin, maybe that's post-war but you can still use for reenactment, what not to use and uh, there we bridged a gap between the reenactor who's interested in a very um, narrow topic which who wants to have a video, okay, I want to know where to, I can find the best leather stuff for my reenactment kit. And the regular, maybe historically interested person who's just interested, okay, how, how did a Volksgrenadier look like? How did a Prussian soldier from 1918 look like? How was the parade drill? And we did videos on that too. So, yeah, that's basically connecting movies with reenactment and with uh, general historical interest. I really liked the uh, Paralightworks history stuff that you guys did. I thought that was some of the best World War II content, like reenactor-related content on YouTube. I don't watch all of the reenactment stuff that gets posted on YouTube. There are creators making stuff on there that... I respect, but I thought that the PLW history stuff was really well done and uh, regretted in a way that it was all in German because uh, there were many English-speaking reenactors who I think could really benefit from some of that information, the way that you guys presented it, and especially the really high production quality. How were you guys able to make those videos look so professional? Uh, well, first of all, there's of course the technical aspects. We have uh, modern camera equipment because we bought it for movie production. So we basically have it lying around. It's not like we only do PLW history. We also do Powerlight works. So, for example, we get good gear to show it on the video and on the videos where we explain it and then use it in the movies. And we use techni uh, I say gear from the movies and use it to film the, the the videos. And then of course the second big part, I, I won't take all the credit for the videos, is uh, Ludwig's work, who does fantastic grading work and cutting. And uh, we always sit there when, or we always sat there when we were still part, um, 
and uh, talked about the video. Okay, we can do this picture here. Okay, we can do this cut here. This music would would sit well in it. And um, of course, during the last five years, we got a groove into the into the whole teamwork. So we already know. Okay, we are going to talk about color tabs. Okay, so we need an extra shot with a close up of the color tabs. All right. Next thing would be shoes and stuff. And we did a series where we showed the soldier's gear from 1939 to 1945 in different steps. Of course, we made some mistakes. Um, for example, we showed the 1939 soldier with uh, Y straps and a tank destruction badge. But uh, yeah, that was a little anachronisms. And we shot those videos on one day. So we had the the model, I'd say, who, who, to, who to wore the gear uh, to dress up for five or six times um, and then while we set up the camera, he was already in the uh, storage and uh, put on different gear. I fixed it up and then I talked about it. And yeah, okay, then the next one. And uh, we did six, seven videos in one shot when it was a sunny day. And the rest was work. And you, you talked about the German stuff and it being German. Yeah, I also... We, we did some videos in English. I dubbed the, um, the engineer video in English. And um, yeah, the problem is that, of course, we are native German speakers and uh, it's, it's, it's harder to explain in English, but that's a thing, for example, I want to change on my, my own YouTube channel, um, which I started, the Militainment one, um, where I want to do the, the videos in English too, so English and German, and I already partnered up with Epic Militaria there, so um, they will provide me with some information or with some gear or uh, with with promotion and um, in return I can do videos in English which then can be spread on there so for example I'd say a tunic I, I'll do a video on the tunic M40 uh, we explain it in, in, in a short manner and then they can post it on the site or something like that yeah that's great I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're partnered with um epic militaria i think it's great when different uh, people or companies people with different kinds of projects in reenacting can work together in this way and to support each other because um you know there are some aspects of this thing where we talk about uh, a reenactor community and really it's people with very different ideas about what reenacting is people with very different goals but on another level there is sort of a um a broader community that we participate in and if um, you know one side can help another and everyone can kind of get the message out get the information out or um, you know improve in, in whatever way I think that's a great thing yeah yeah I think so too and also um, you need to have a, 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 I'd say a good stand in the in the community because once um, there is a bad I'd say bad word around um, about you you have it very hard in this in this small community for example in Germany where there are maybe three or four big reenactment groups and when there's one guy applying to one group and doing shitty stuff or talking weird stuff then that gets spread around and then it's not like maybe other countries when there are when there's a reenactment group every other corner um, then yeah, you, you basically can do couch reenactment or 
garden reenactment, but that's it. And uh, yeah, I think in, on, on the other hand, if you support each other and if you help each other out, um, I mean, there's nothing better. If you, for example, I don't know if you know him, uh, Vincent's Equipment, who does the leatherworks from, from uh, Czech Republic, he liked our work and then supported us with Y-straps, so we reviewed the Y-straps and still use them today because they are perfect. And um, yeah, so it was we could use them for the movies, put them in, put uh, his shop in the in the credits. And uh, I mean, for the viewer, it's a, it's a pleasure to see that all the gear is right. And um, we try to do that every every episode to improve ourselves. My my department, of course, being um, the equipment and the gear. So you can imagine that after a day of shooting um, in the winter, when we had, uh, I think, 12 pairs of jackboots um, being full of mud and snow, uh, you can imagine my joy um, being the one to clean them all and um, to prepare them for the next shoot. And uh, yeah, so that's a lot of work. And um, yeah, we, we try to improve that every time. The, the, the episode 11 is... Um, going to be out this year and it's an hour long so we started with just 10 guys uh, meeting up in the woods and shooting two episodes in a weekend which were five minutes um, where we really didn't care about the gear it was like okay it looks like German army I don't know what it is or back then I wasn't part of the team so um, they started shooting it I joined when episode five uh, was, was shot and um, yeah, and we try to improve, of course, technical-wise, um, equipment-wise, and um, story-wise, and that is only possible if we work together with shops or vendors or um, manufacturers of um, of gear and also reenactment groups. There are some reenactors we have worked f with for four or five movies, and then there's reenactors we have invited for one shoot and then um, had to blacklist them because... You know, it's all people and um, when we shoot a video and then something happens there, uh, we are responsible for it. So it's even, I think, even um, harder to do that than on a reenactment where everyone's on the same page, I guess, and everyone's just <laughs> playing pretend. And then there's a, a movie when you do action sequences with pyrotechnics and with uh, blank firing guns and people running around and people jumping inside and outside of trenches and uh, yeah things can happen so you have to trust the people and that's where we as a movie making group joined up with different reenactors and overall had a very pleasant experience with it. That sounds great. All of this stuff can be so expensive right like just reenacting getting a kit together can be so expensive trying to get the equipment that a group needs um, you know not just the individual equipment but tents or whatever that can be so expensive and I think it is really great if people can find ways to get these things without having to lay out a ton of money whether it's borrowing them um, you know working together with other reenactors to sort of uh, crowdfund this stuff in some way or partnering with vendors like you mentioned with with Vincent Vincent is a great guy he makes great items and that's really cool that he was able to supply stuff for your productions um, of course I'm not 
I wouldn't su- suggest anyone to just go out and uh, beg vendors to get products for free. But I do think that kind of on a group level, um, people who are out there contributing to this thing in some significant way, it's just really great um, if we can help each other out so that not everything has to come down to some sort of dollar amount for every single thing that has to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And also, it's I think it's a mutual, um, mutual uh, progress in that way. For example, um, me working with Epic Militaria, on the one hand, they provided uh, some discount on the uniforms and we can show them in the video. And in return, I work very tightly with uh, the product development department. And um, for example, because I know what's on the market and what's not and can tell them hey this would be a cool idea why don't you reproduce this and that and so for example i am working with them for two and a half years now on a reproduction gas mask 30 which for reenactor would be a dream that you don't have to use 80 year old gas masks um for reenactment and together with a correct gas mask canister reproduction um that's that's good for them because they can sell products. That's good for us as reenactors. So we have um, period correct reproductions. And I think when when this is done right, it's a mutual benefit for everyone. And uh, as you said, of course you, you, you won't go out there and, and beg for people and uh, or, or beg people for, for discounts or stuff. Um, because um, on the one hand, you also have to, as you said, um the the PLW history channel has now i think 170,000 subscribers when i joined it was 10,000 and um yeah it's it's a big marketing wise because i also did the public relations stuff for Powerlightworks for the last 5 years and uh yeah it's it's a big opportunity to for vendors um to show what they have, or for example, as you stated, Vincent, to to get his products out there, which I think it's a it's a dream for every every uh, manufacturer of goods that are very specific. I mean, we as reenactors are a small fringe uh, group of history enthusiasts, and um, when you have a, a platform where all these people meet, and then you can show them directly what you have or what you provide and then maybe already get their feedback and work on that for example tunics or i don't know if, if, if uh, a tunic manufacturer sends uh, for example me a, 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 a sample tunic and i say okay you have to fix this you have to fix that then everyone everyone wins uh, i mean i as i said i'm working on the gas mask canister and the also masked reproduction and um, i have i think 40 gas mask canisters here in original in different shapes and forms and I, I have received now sample number five from the prototype production and there's always something you can tweak to get to the original of course it's always a, it's always going to be a reproduction it's never going to be a hundred percent faithful because yeah it's it's still a new product and uh, yeah I think we have to work hand in hand there to have fun for everyone i love the news that they're working on a gas mask reproduction that would be absolutely incredible and i had thought that it would be impossible and would never happen because it's just so many parts 
and so much custom fabrication that has to happen and tooling to make the parts to make one of these things. Um, I would have thought that it just couldn't be done at a price that reenactors would be willing to pay. But I'm very excited to hear that something's in the works. I would definitely love to be able to buy reproduction uh, mask for my can. Yeah, yeah. And also a big thing is with the filters who have asbestos in it. And uh, maybe you can find a mask with the original filter, but uh, you don't want to breathe in asbestos. So you have two options, either lose the filter or don't you use a gas mask. Or maybe a third very dangerous um, option would be to open up the filter with uh, pr breathing protection and get the asbestos out to use it in the reenactment. I mean, uh, there are people who say, okay, it doesn't matter. I also, it's, it's only once a year and stuff, but there's a great, um, there's great news that Epic Militare, for example, um, I have the prototype here, uh, already want to sell empty filters, reproduction filters, which are indistinguishable from the originals and which you can just screw on your original original mask and they are empty. They are just maybe filled with cotton or something or totally empty, we don't know yet. And uh, you can just breathe through them without endangering your <laughs> life. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's it's a hard piece of work. That's why we are at it. Um, or for two and a half years now and the gas mask cast a gas mask can is the same and um, yeah I, I think the the big part or the, the hardest part is done we have all the metal fittings correct and and the the the, the glasses and the straps which are with tiny and maybe you know them of course you know them uh, they are with tiny springs in them there's there's no rubber but springs so that's that's a hard thing to reproduce and that's all done and it's just now the the overall shape and measurements of the gas mask of course there are three sizes or four no three and uh, which you have to um to uh how do i say it correctly to scale it you have to scale it to the right size and uh i can i can tell you already that there is only going to be one size uh for starters because producing three sizes for such a small uh audience is <laughs> a bit expensive and as you said for a reasonable price i think it's going to be around 70 euros for the gas mask with filter i'm not sure yet and not not uh, <laughs> don't don't quote me on that and uh, yeah i think it's it's a great way to first for for on the one hand preserve originals i mean also canteens and stuff uh, there are already good reproduction canteen covers out there um, where you don't have to use originals. I mean, it's not an item that's super rare, but I mean, we as reenactors are also, I'd say, small museums, or um, we want to preserve things. So maybe it's not rare now. It's going to be rare in uh, 100 years. I don't know. But uh, I mean, I I remember a time where you, for example, could buy deactivated K98 from the Second World War in Germany just by mail ordering them from somewhere for 80 euros. Now you can't even get them in the whole European Union because the, they were banned. And uh, so now the worth and the rarity has gone up the sky. You aren't even allowed to sell them officially in, in, in the European Union. And uh, yeah, that was a big big crackdown on, on, on guns so now there's a, there's a need for good reproduction K98s in the European Union and there are small manufacturers who do them in, in steel of course there's always Denex 
but when one has used the Denix K98 for reenactment once or twice, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's not made for hard field use. It's it's a wall hanger for for the most part, and uh, yeah, and when the reproductions are there and we can use them and preserve originals, I mean, what's uh, what's the question there? And when the originals is as faithful as the reproduction. Sure. I try to avoid using original stuff whenever I can. I just think that it's um, kind of irresponsible to use this stuff up. And I have seen, you know, over the years, I've gone through a lot of gear. I've, I've just, you know, destroyed a tremendous amount of reproduction stuff in the process of using it. And I would just hate to do that with real things that survived a war and everything that happened after that, only to get broken by me running around playing make-believe. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Paralightworks, um, the PLW History Channel with with 170,000 subscribers and you doing public relations. What was the the general response that you got to that work? Was it mostly positive? I have to imagine, like anything on the Internet, they must have also been some negative responses. Yes. Uh, I'm, when, when you come to the channel um, or when it comes to the channel, what what the viewers uh, comment? It's mostly positive, of course, because when you watch a movie or a video on um, on YouTube regarding World War II history, it might be the algorithm sending you there, or you are interested in it. So, um, as we don't glorify as much as maybe other YouTube channels do, or yeah, we try to keep an. Uh, historical distance as you may have noticed we always do videos with the one person wearing the gear as a, a lifelike mannequin and me explaining it in in a civilian clothing or all, all without any uniform maybe a, just an m43 trousers or stuff so we have this historical distance where we just show artifacts of history and we try to teach i'm uh, starting to become an english and history teacher too so i always go uh, or or um, did the videos like this so someone can show it in the classroom. We already received messages from teachers and students which reported, hey, I want to show the kids uh, a video on on German or or on the German war uh, on the on the Second World War or on the Prussian uh, war or on the First World War and just wanted to show them uh, stuff there. That's the positive feedback. I think that's that's the most honor you can receive as a YouTuber when a teacher or a student tells you, hey, I was shown your video in class or I showed your video in class um, because it was so, so useful for me. And on the other side, not to, I'd say, not to stereotype, but uh, most negative comments are in Russian and uh, it's mostly them commenting... Uh, why we even uh, why we are even interested in history and uh, didn't we learn from it and uh, yeah and it's all fascist and stuff and uh, as I said earlier as as long as uh, you get a certain backlash from both sides you know you're doing it right uh, when you only get feedback from one side telling you hey you're doing a great job and the other side telling you always hey your job is the worst <laughs> on the planet and then I think it's getting weird, but um, that's on the YouTube side and um, in 
in public um, when for example when I got asked for the last years what what I was doing um, in my free time or in my spare time I said hey I'm doing history educational videos and um, showed them some 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 cutouts of it and um, yeah as so we don't only do or only did um, German Second World War or German gear um, of course it's still 80% of the channel's content but we also did an, a video which was very important for me um, on the Polish Horm Army, the Armia Krajowa, um, where my parents, uh, my grandparents from the other side of the family fought, um, which I want to show off because there was no content in Germany from it or on it, and in German, in Germany, I think we are the only or the biggest channel which um, does reenactment-esque stuff uh, and and educational videos in that sense. And we also did um, Russian Russian things. We noticed when the when the whole Ukraine-Russian conflict started that there were weird comments from both sides under the Russian and under German videos. Um, for example, uh, Russians commenting on the on the German Wehrmacht video. Yeah, we will show you. We will show you again, like we did 70 years ago. We'll see you in Berlin in two months. And uh, yeah, and on the other side, when we did a, a Russian officer, people commenting, "Oh, the bad guys uh, again, just like back then," and uh, we got a little, I, I, I guess, a shadow ban from YouTube on the Russian videos, which didn't get as many clicks as the German ones. Maybe it's also people are not that interested in German content uh, on Russian gear, but I don't know, or Soviet gear to be correct. Um, yeah, and I think it's mostly positive, and um, because of this historical aspect of it, I think the first videos where where I was not there were rather personal. And when you look at it from a factual standpoint, they were very weak. If you look at earlier videos applying a tunic eagle and stuff, and because. I mean, we we started somewhere. You won't find a video on there covering the Waffen-SS. You won't find that. So that's a topic we don't touch for our own safety, I guess. And uh, that's very, very hard to do in Germany because I, I don't know one group which publicly says we are doing Waffen-SS. They are only doing Wehrmacht and uh, maybe they do two impressions, but I don't know a group which says, oh, yeah, we do the, the Waffen-SS, I don't know, group or Hitlerjugend, or I don't know. Yeah. So what about your new channel? What are your plans for it? Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, my new channel, which is called Entertainment, <laughs> uh, I'm planning to do basically the same I did at Parlightworks, um, just... Of course, I have to start anew, and um, I have my girlfriend re recording and helping me because she is in the movie industry, and uh, she has this equipment too. So it's just me doing it and not having a, a whole team behind it. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I also want to do it multilingual and um, do it in German and English. 
and yeah i i think i found uh, a niche where where the videos work and i will just continue doing them and also of course if the community wants something and ask me to do it hey let's let's do this let's do that and uh yeah show show different uniforms show different uh equipment of different um different uh, factions of the war i am connected with the reenactors of all sorts of things of post-war uh, uniforms of uh, I, I know a guy who does a polish or pre-war um catholic priest which i have never seen someone reenact or maybe two people but no one in germany he's a german and he does that or he does belgian police in the 30s and that's the gear you don't see and i i try to do the I guess Adam meets up with someone, so I, I, I visit them and I, I, I ask them, hey, you have an interesting uh, reenactment uniform, tell me about it. What is it? Where is it from? Can you tell the, the audience, for example, where to get it? And uh, I don't want to focus 100% on reenactment, because there are channels, as you said, there are different channels which only talk about reenactment and they only show, show off products or they only show their their gear which is fine and which is cool and which is nice but uh, as I am have not been in active reenactment now for five years or longer um, I don't think that this is my kind of gist and I would just uh, I would just focus on, on military history in general general that's why I also kept it vague I'd say the name um, as you know the the channel I worked before the PLW history was previously called PLW review because we mainly did reviews on different things and reviewing pro products and doing tutorials and stuff and then we when we switched more to the history aspect we labeled it history and now as I do militainment military entertainment I found the name fitting and um, yeah then it's basically in the name what I want to do that sounds great. I really look forward to seeing what you do. Um, we were going to run out of time, but I did want to ask one other question. Um, maybe you could give me some insight on this. So you're a German person living in Germany. I'm an American person living in America, uh, pretending to be a German person on a part-time basis. Uh, I guess I just wonder, what is the perception in the reenactment community in Germany about all of the people in all the other countries, including countries that fought against the Germans in World War II, who are, um, you know, fascinated with this stuff and, and trying to keep the information about it alive. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's mixed. On the one hand, there are some people who might say, oh, who are they to, to portray our grandfathers and stuff? And it's easy to point at Americans uh which uh, are an easy target on that and um on the other hand i think it's regarded mostly positive um especially inside the reenactment community um because it's a very international community i i don't know a hobby when uh where there's there's more people doing the same thing in the end i mean we as germans we didn't get raised in Nazi Germany, we maybe had some remnants, and of course we have a family connection to the to the Second World War, be it directly or indirectly, by profiting from 
some some industry or stuff and being connected to it but uh, I don't think it's that important um, where you come from I think it's most important where what you want to portray and if the portrayal fits history and if you for example do reenactment of a German soldier and try to behave as the Germans did back then because Germans now are very different from the Germans back then we had two big uh, I say big step stones in between we had the war ending and then we had the German separation and the wall coming down so the the whole mentality on, on German uh, Germans in the Second World War shifted very very uh, very much and um, I think when you look around in Europe of course there's always those stereotypes those Germans are still I don't know tidy and Germans are this and Germans are that but when you look around in Europe I mean I am half Polish half German I was raised in in Berlin where none of my family um, came from so I don't know if I'm even the one to judge I mean what what makes a German what doesn't um, but yes yeah, as a German outsider I'd say okay why does why does this Czech guy or why does this American guy why does the Swedish guy portray the baddies by the the main German view and from a reenactor side I'd say go for it as long as you don't as long as you try not butchering German words as much as some reenactors do <laughs> okay yeah I relate to that very much yeah, it it's just it was it's one of them events where you can't really describe it. You sort of have to be there because it just felt so much like you were actually in Normandy. I think that female reenacting is still sort of in its embryonic stage, but I do think that there is room to grow. We do have so much camaraderie in this uh, this hobby of ours, this reenacting, and I think it's important for us to realize that because we're here to support each other. The reenactors' corner bringing history to life. Adam, it has been really fun talking to you today. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the program, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we could have talked about and didn't talk about, so maybe uh, we could chat again some other time in the future. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. It was a very, very nice talk, and uh, if you were interested or if the listeners are interested, I'm glad to be coming back sometime, uh, some, sometime in the future. Excellent. Thanks so much. All right. So before uh, I sign off here, I do want to take a moment to thank all of the Patreon supporters. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to keep doing this podcast and really appreciate it very much. So to Adam and to everybody else out there, I will see you in the field. We love hearing what you think about the podcast, so why not reach out to us on Facebook or Discord? Just search for The Reenactors Corner and you'll find us there. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us via Patreon. Your generous contributions, no matter how big or small, really do keep us on the air, and you'll also get regular additional exclusive episodes as a thank you. You can find details of where to find us on Patreon in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time here on The Reenactors Corner.